Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have an amazing guest all the way from Oklahoma City. Welcome to the show, Corey Boatwright. Hi, Victor. I appreciate having me on here. Great to have you here. Now, Corey, we've got to know each other over the last several years, and we've had a number of episodes over the last few weeks talking a little bit about podcasting. One of your core expertise areas is marketing. So I'd love to have a conversation with you about that and how it has helped your real estate investment, your real estate development business, because this is one of your core areas of expertise. But before we dive into that, why don't you give a little bit of your backstory and how you got to this point in your journey? Okay. I appreciate that. Uh, The short story is I started out being a bird dog in um, real estate. I bought my first house when I was 21 years old, didn't know what I was doing. Basically messed up on everything that was possible to mess up on it, but still ended up making money. Ended up from there being a bird dog for another investor, then realized that uh, he was wholesaling. So I learned the wholesaling game. Then I talked to the wholesalers and they were selling to fix and flippers. So I started a rehab business for about two years. Absolutely hated it. Had the GM pull a gun on me and that was my last day on that. Then I ended up getting involved with short sales and that was in 2007, eight, somewhere in there, right around the time when the big recession was getting ready to uh, hit us. And that was just a great time. I ended up uh, really going all in on short sale investing and started a loss mitigation company, started a software company, and then actually got into the education business because I was um, somebody that everybody was trying to talk to me about how to do short sales. There was not really anybody on the scene at that time teaching it. So I jumped in head first, pulled out a a course about six months, took blood, sweat, and tears, two huge binders back in the day. It's called Lumpy Mail. I ended up selling over 1,500 of those courses between, sorry, 2,500 of those courses between 1,500 and $1,000, I believe. And uh, then our software got up to almost 5,000 users paying $99 a month. So it was a pretty decent sized business. And we had 50, 60 short sales in the hopper at any given time. Uh, about 2011 or so, short sales was getting harder and harder to complete because of all the red tape that was coming down and how long you had to own them for. I had some issues with my business partner, and then I actually ended up coming down with, with cancer, with thyroid cancer. And uh, that really shook my, shook my everything, <laughs> changed everything for me. I was on the road teaching. I was on the I was selling things. I was I was out there uh, really pushing hard. Had a bunch of rental properties, and I was going through some pretty uh, rough personal times. I was also going through a personal divorce, which that was really hard. So I was going through a business divorce, a personal divorce, and uh, ended up getting thyroid cancer. On top of that, couldn't talk for really four six months, Victor, and uh, ended up just going back to wholesaling. So we've been doing wholesaling now for probably around six seven years. I do about 100 of those deals a year in the greater OKC area. In the last three and a half to four years, uh, I started to focus. So that would have been on 2015 or 16. We started to focus on uh, what it would look like to have legacy, which is what commercial investing with, with, uh, with multifamily looks like and learned everything I could about that. Got a couple of partners and uh, we did some syndication. So now we own over 400 plus apartments uh, through a syndication. I uh, have a, a these little GP site on that. And then we're building another 120 units. We'll break ground in July of this year. So I'll be over 600 units at that point. And uh, it's just been, a, it's been a, a run, man. But I tell you, there's nothing like real estate investing. Uh, once you really learn it and understand the power of uh, what it can do and, and the way that um, it can help on taxes as well. 
I love that. And wow, what a journey. And I know you, when when we first met, you were telling me about your health issues. And I'm so glad that you've got the all clear on that. And I'm, I'm assuming things are still good. So yeah, no remission, man. Praise God. I, I'm I'm so grateful. I mean, I, I wear a bracelet every day. Um, we started this thing called the Grateful Project just because I was getting depressed during that time. I post a reason to be grateful every day. And I literally have not missed a day, Victor, on the Grateful Project. And it's been uh, it's been a crazy journey on on that. To to your point, uh, it really does open up your eyes to what's what's really important whenever you are served a a, a, a really interesting. Uh, awareness pill <laughs> that uh, that you have to wake up and, and realize that life is a lot more important people in your life uh, than than just doing business and making money. Today is uh, I think today is our Grateful Project Day twenty four hundred and thirty one. So wow. I, I just post a reason every day to be grateful and and gratitude and empathy are one of the currencies uh, of for the future. I love that. So Corey, if you're doing a hundred wholesale deals a year. You're not out there knocking doors necessarily to make that happen. There's no way you can do that kind of volume. It's got to be based on generating interest so that you can, in fact, be a magnet for this level of business to come to you. That's the only way. What have you focused on? Because there's a full plethora of things that you could do. And how have you decided what you should do? That's the subset that is working, what's not working, what are you measuring, how do you decide where to make incremental investments? That's a great question. Most people give up too early on their marketing test. In fact, I'll even take the next step. They don't even split test. They don't test anything. They they send out a postcard and they say, and if they don't get any calls, they say it doesn't work. They do it's a cold calling campaign. If they don't get any deals, they say it doesn't work. And what you've got to understand in, in marketing, if you're going to be excellent at it, then you have to make it a commitment to marketing. And that means that marketing becomes a six month or a year. That's how long you're going to commit to it. Whether or not you're getting the results that you necessarily thought in the beginning, you're going to make a commitment because it takes a commitment to be able to see those results. Often we'll get over 40% of our deals will come from follow-up and usually from the fifth to sixth touch. So 40% of our deals will come from follow-up from the fifth or sixth touch. I said that again because it's really important. That means we have to send out four or five mailing campaigns in order to get that first person sometimes. Now, as you do that over a period of time, all of that starts to snowball. So what you want to start focusing on is your pipeline. You want to have a marketing pipeline. That's very important. So what does that look like? Well, it doesn't mean that you're scattered everywhere. What it means is that you want to commit to a channel and you want to focus on doing everything you can to speak to your audience in a way where it gets their attention. Marketing makes, you have to be memorable and you're gathering interest from from that person. And what do you do? Well, I'm a student of marketing. Um, I didn't just uh, read one book about it. I, I went through courses with Evan Pagan, um, I went through courses with uh, Dan Kennedy. I went through courses with John Carlton. I went through courses with Clayton Makepeace. These are marketing giants and, and really excellent at their craft and, and legend in, in some people's eyes. Uh, Frank Kern, another one. And a lot of what I started to put more emphasis on was direct response marketing because I'm not Coke. I don't own a billion dollar business and I don't have a billion dollar budget. I have to look at what I can do to get 
the attention in a niche market, which is what real estate investing really is a niche market, what I can do to speak to that person in a way where they want to make a response right away. I understand that my market is about four to five percent the most of the entire real estate market. 96 to 95 percent of the people that want to sell a house, Victor, they go to an agent. 96, 95, 96 percent of the people go to an agent. So I'm in the, for wholesaling, I'm in the pawn shop, if you will, of real estate. So I have to be very clear about that. But that little five or six percent can be pretty profitable if you start taking a big market share of the different areas that you're focusing in. So marketing has to do with making a commitment. And then you have to understand that's number one. Number two is you have to test certain ways of marketing to your same audience and see what what they're responding to. And you have to track. So you have to test is number two, and you have to three track whenever you're testing. So some people get the testing, but they don't track it. They're just throwing different things out there and seeing what sticks on the wall. And that's some of it. But if you don't track it, if you don't have a phone number, if you don't see how many calls are coming in from that number, if you don't see what converted, if you're not asking them why they ended up calling you and not somebody else, you don't do some of these things that are very vital. You're just going to be you know, wasting money uh, whenever you could really be intentional on uh, who you're wanting to speak to and how you're wanting to uh, get in touch with them. I think the point you raised about multi-touch is so important. I'll give a simple example. I love pizza and I might see an ad for pizza. It might be Domino's pizza that comes in, but if I'm not hungry at that moment in time, I'm going to pass on that ad. So there has to be that perfect alignment between someone who likes pizza, someone who would potentially buy pizza and the moment when they're hungry. And that's why the multi-touch, I think, works is finding that intersection in time where all of those planets align. That makes a lot of sense. And you're right. Some people contact us and they've had our postcard or letter or marketing piece for years. And now we're top of mind because we've been connecting with them every three or four months and we have them on a drip schedule. And whenever they're ready, willing and able to get something done, we're the one they're going to give a call to. That makes a lot of sense. So when you are testing and you're running splits what, what kind of metrics are you looking for? Is it simply calling rates? Is it conversion rates? What, what kind of metrics are you looking for? And how do you even decide? Is 1% a good number? Is 0.1% a good number? How do you manage those metrics? Well, every marketing channel has a different metric to it. So for postcards, it would be close as you can to 1%. Anything over 1% is going to be really strong. If you're in Arizona, if you're doing market, if you're, if you're doing investing there or California or anywhere there's really a high desirable area to be, I kind of look at Arizona like the, like the thermostat of the country, whenever what's going on there, it just kind of lets you know what's going on. Florida, you, these, these places that have oceans by them as well. I mean, you're going to have a lower response rate and it's going to be maybe around 0.25, 0. 0.3. That might be, you know, what you would get, but anything you want to kind of shoot for 1% on a postcard. On a letter, it's going to be closer to 2% because the the commitment it takes, one, you're not going to send out as many letters as you are going to be postcards. Postcard is going to be more of a shotgun because they only cost 35 cents, 32 cents, 30 cents, depending on if you buy them in bulk. But letters are going to be a little more expensive, 60, 70 cents, depending on what you put in them and how, how, what you, how you fold them, the envelope, things like that. So on the postcard, one thing that you would track 
is what is one, one, you have your phone number for sure. Definitely make sure you have your phone number, but you want to test. Maybe if you say on one of those postcards, call or text, or maybe one of them, you just put call. And if you put call, you would have a phone number that's dedicated to that call postcard. If you had call or text, you'd have a different phone number dedicated to that postcard. Then you're able to see something really interesting. We had you know X amount of people that called and text from here, and we only had this many people call over here. So we had a higher engagement rate, more people are interested in texting. That's one idea. The other thing is colors. So you want to test green, which lime green is the most hated color and the most desired color, which is interesting. So you want to test how that responds. Orange, pink. We've used some interesting uh, black postcards before. Just something that makes you a little bit more memorable. And then you want to have, if you, you want to make that piece where it speaks to someone directly, one person. You don't want to say, hi, all, you know, you don't want to say, uh, you know, you don't want to speak to a crowd. Right. Because you're speaking to nobody. You want to speak to one person. You're, you're absolutely correct. When you speak to a crowd, you're speaking to nobody. You speak to one person, like they're reading that one card just for them. And you want to hit as you, if you can, as many kind of pain points that let them know, you know what, that that's me. I got a bad tenant. Oh, you know what? I don't want to mess. I don't want to mess with cleaning the house. I did inherit that house. I went through a divorce. I, I, there is a foreclosure looming. You want to hit a few different points if, if you can on your pain points to see which ones are responding, which ones aren't. Now, this has to do with the type of list that you're sending. So if you're sending to a pre-foreclosure list, well, then you're going to speak about things that are happening in that pre-foreclosure. If you're speaking to an inheritance list, you want to speak about pain points that might be happening from the um, inheritance uh, they're living out of state. They don't want to mess with it. You know, the taxes are high. These these kind of things. So the more you're speaking about one specific thing and talking to one person, you're gonna you're gonna that's gonna be a big one for you. That makes a lot of sense. So when you talk about using unique phone numbers, I'm very familiar with a product called Call Tracking Metrics. I don't know if that's the one you use. Talk a little bit about how that works and how that is useful in tracking these different sources of marketing campaigns. Yeah. So call tracking metrics, what we use in our PPC campaigns and those, that works great. You can also forward it over to a company like CallRail, uh, FreedomSoft, Podio. Um, there's one called Smartphone. There's all these different ones you can use. A lot of people use CallRail. That's a real common one. Numbers are $2 a month, something like that. And you just want to basically, it's important to have an individual number when you're testing a piece because you want to see how that piece is responding. You want to be able to track that piece. And if you're not doing that, you really just don't know what pieces convert. If you use one number on five different postcards, well, what, what converted, you know, which, which one did better. So uh, it's important to have individual phone numbers and they're really inexpensive in terms of the ROI that you, you can get from the learning and from, from the conversion. So they're really, really talking about pennies and, and, and in that sense, for if you had 200 phone numbers, if you wanted, and that's 400 bucks a month. I mean, yeah, it's not a lot, but it's it's still, that's a lot of tracking. Most people don't have anywhere near that. So you might have 30, 40, 50 numbers, but you're really tracking a lot of things and it's going to make you more efficient. I love it. For someone who isn't necessarily in the wholesaling business, but maybe they're looking to maybe even attract tenants, what would you be doing differently as distinct from what you're doing, say, in the wholesaling business? So if I was wanting to attract tenants, one, I would want to attract the most qualified tenants. 
I want to have people that are going to take care of my asset. I'd want to let them know right up front as much as I could that if this isn't you, you don't pass. So most people don't put the filter in, Victor. They just let the, the cattle herd come in and then they sort through it. And then it's chaos because they want quantity, right? You ever heard, I want, I want gross. We focus on gross. We, we, you know, we focus, but no one focuses on net, which is the filter. The filter is net. When you start putting more emphasis on who gets past this filter, you can open the net wide. I like to open the funnel like, like this, but there's a reason why it's like this because not everybody gets through. And once you get those filters in place, now you're speaking to the exact type of qualified tenant that you've been targeting. And then what you get to do is you get to do a data science on them. Why are they the qualified tenant that you really like? What are some of the qualities about them? Oh, they've, been, they've had a job for five years. Their income is X amount of dollars to what um, amount of money that you're going to rent the property for. You've done a background check on them and it's, and it's, really, it's really clean. They take care. You contacted their last landlord. They did an excellent job of raving reviews. They, so you're going to come up with your top 10 list of things that are like, this is, this is, if these things click off, it's a green light, right? A lot of people just don't take the time because it does take time to do that. It takes time to be able to, to develop what your, uh, we call it an avatar. I'm sure you've heard that. Sure. So you have, you have a perfect uh, client avatar on who you're looking for. So if I was trying to attract tenants, I'd have a client avatar avatar for the perfect tenant. And then I would just make sure my filter is strong, open up the gate, try to get as many people in, but only a few people are going to pass through. So you really want people almost to self-select as opposed to you having to go through the effort to qualify them if they came in the door unqualified. Absolutely. The more they self-select, the better. I love it. Well, Corey, if folks want to connect, if they want to learn more, what's the best way? Sure. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm all over that, that those things. But, so Facebook is just Corey Boatwright, I think, page, Corey, C-O-R-Y-B-O-A-T-R-I-G-H-T, page. Instagram, we have our uh, education business um, that we do consulting with. A lot of folks like want to learn how to do wholesaling. So we've done that for a while and I qualified to, to teach that. And so we, one of our companies is REI Profits. So we're under REI Profits under um, Instagram. And we're kind of playing around with TikTok. I really think it's it's interesting platform. But on our commercial side, on our apartments, if anyone is interested in learning uh, more kind of what we do and, and maybe even being a part of some of the things that we have coming up, we have some awesome projects. I'm always out looking for off-market deals. And recently it was only like 70 plus deals on B-class properties, uh, usually affordable housing in the Midwest. But we've recently kind of, adapted to 50, 50 to 100 units. So we're going to play in that ballpark for a little bit. Uh, we think we have some interesting ideas to make that work. And uh, so, you know, anywhere from 50 to 100 units is going to be more of a, a big emphasis for us on, um, on B-class properties as well. So my company is called Investing Capital Group, investingcapitalgroup.com. There's a little thing on there. It's called a commercial investor profile, simple little form, but it really gives us a chance to meet each other. And I also get a chance to see what you're looking for. So I'm not wasting your time um, and to see if we can serve each other. Fantastic. Well, Corey, thank you for the insights. Uh, love what you're doing. Uh, wish you the best of luck. And for the listeners at home, definitely reach out to Corey at REI Profits on Instagram and investingcapitalgroup.com. And in the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. 
go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. 